Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey everyone, welcome to the show, and it is a show celebrating the 25th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. We are shortly going to be joined by someone I think so highly of, but I'm going to wait before I introduce him. In the meantime, a special shout-out to Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, the other day I was at the Disability Rights Museum on Wheels right here in Pittsburgh, and guess who I saw photographs of? You and Justin. I don't know if anyone has seen that, but it is absolutely amazing. I'm talking about the U.S. Disability Rights Museum on Wheels that, by the way, was put together by the United States Business Leadership Network, and it is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, from beginning to end, our uh, artifacts, parts of history, uh, I mean, like, it really had an impact on me. Actually, when I got through the museum, I started crying. Because the first thing I see at the beginning is eugenics. The story of how people with disabilities um, were sterilized, you know, in the United States because of disabilities, such as mine, epilepsy. And then it goes over to Germany, where, of course, people with disabilities were the first group uh, exterminated. And guess what? We, people with disabilities, were the test for the gas chamber. So how horrifying. So you start there, and then you go through the great thing that the Kennedy family has done, uh, and you see quotes from Justin and quotes from Pat Wright, and you go further and you see um, Judy Human and well, Ed, uh, the Berkeley Independent Living Center. I mean, it is just amazing from beginning to end. It is amazing. I, if you go to the USBL Insight um, or the ADA Legacy Project, you can be figuring out where that bus is going to be, but if it does come to your area, you make sure you go see it. It is phenomenal. Now, speaking of how phenomenal, oh, my God, I'm so excited. I, I can't tell you how excited I am because I have one of my absolute most favorite people in the world as our guest today. I mean, I love him so much, and I'm so mad at him because I don't get to see him. But I know you all know him. You know, last week we had Senator Kennedy on. Before that, we had Secretary Perez on. But now I'm sitting here looking at my copy of the ADA, and there's the signature I see there by this senator called Senator Tom Harkin. Welcome to the show. Oh, my gosh, Joyce, it's so nice to hear your voice. Thanks for those kind words. I love you so much, and I've missed you. I, I, uh, 
But I hope I hope our paths will cross in the next couple of weeks because there's a lot of things going on to celebrate the 25th anniversary. Yes, I want to. I can't begin to tell you how much we all miss you. I miss you so much. I couldn't wait for this radio show just so I could hear your voice and talk to you. I want to tell all of you. He knows how much we love him. Oh, the disability community, we love you so much, and we miss you so much. And for those of you that don't know, which who could you be that you don't know, that this man was behind the Americans with Disabilities Act. And I mean, I just can't stop thinking about how wonderful he is and what a great statesman he is and how he cares about people with disabilities and how he fought for all of us. And I know I'm talking too much, so... Senator Harkin, where have you been? And what oh, my been gosh, doing? Joyce. Well, as you know, I retired from the Senate on January 6th. Excuse me, I just had to take a drink of water. I've got a bit of a cold. Okay, that's all right. <clears throat> so, yes, we all, know, we all know you retired. That's why we're so upset. Go ahead. Well, I'm retired from the Senate, but not from the fight. As okay. I always say, not from the fight for making sure the ADA is fully implemented. So I've been involved in a lot of different activities since then. Um, there's a small, uh, rather small university in Des Moines, Iowa, called Drake University, Drake University, and they have established a Harkin Institute on public policy and citizen engagement. And I've left all my papers of 40 years uh, in the Congress there uh, for research uh, They've added a part onto the library, so we have a wonderful institute there. We've got a great director, and Marsha Turnus, the former Chief Justice of the Iowa Supreme Court, is the director, and we're doing some great things. We've already had a couple of events on, on disability policy uh, at the institute, so I'm spending a lot of time getting that going, and anytime you want to, Joyce, you or any of your listeners can just Google uh, Harkin Institute. And you can sort of follow along, uh, sort of what we're doing. But I got to tell you, I've had a I've had a pretty exciting weekend. I was in the first disability pride parade in New York City. Uh, just oh, on, on Sunday! How exciting! Ah, and I they asked me to be the grand marshal, so I got to wear that red sash over me as the grand marshal, and it was fantastic. We had over five thousand people. On Are you Sunday, kidding? March wow. in New York City. Uh, it was one of the mayor there, a number of assemblymen. I mean, it was an incredible turnout in that parade. And I go, well, listen, by the way, next Saturday, I'm going to be in a, in a disability pride parade in Chicago. And then on the 25th, I'm going to be in your state. I'm going to be in Philadelphia. We have a big disability pride parade in Philadelphia on August 25th. Well, now I will know, in addition to all of those things for next year, I have to figure out how to have one in Pittsburgh. You've got to have one in Pittsburgh. That's right. I've got to have That's Pittsburgh. right. got to have one in Pittsburgh. So you've been, you know, in, and I knew, by the way, listeners, I knew he would. This is not a person that would retire and forget about all of this. You know, I, he'll do even more. I, I can't tell you how he committed he is to all of us. Um, are you spending a lot of time at that institute, or are you spending time going to, you know, different events in different states? 
what have you been doing? Well, uh, a little bit of both, I guess you might say. But I, you know, I don't. I really want to be honest with you. Uh, my last day here was January sixth in the Senate, and I just took three months off. I got to admit, I've never done that in my life. At the most, I've had maybe a week off here and there uh, with my family, but I absolutely just took three months off and sort of just no, I guess chilled out a while. And then I came back in March and started doing activities uh, with the Institute and other things around uh, the country. I did a, a wonderful event with Marka Bristow. You know Marka. Oh, out yes. In, out in Chicago at Access Living. We had a wonderful event a couple of months ago. Um, so I'm, I'm doing a lot of events uh, around the whole, whole disability uh, uh, issue and especially around the 25th anniversary. Uh, so that's sort of what I've been up to, and, and, a, and a couple of other things, too. I went to a, a childhood obesity conference out in San Diego because, you know, I've been very much involved in, in, in children's health care, uh, and so I've had that. And, uh, and then I spoke. Oh, I had a wonderful uh, evening with the Hearing Loss Association of America at their annual convention in St. Louis. So, again, that's about a, about a month ago. Um, so... You know, I'm keeping busy, but I would say that uh, probably, oh, what, what would I say, maybe 80% of my focus uh, is on issues surrounding the Americans with Disabilities Act and, uh, and moving it forward. For example, after the parade on Sunday, I stayed in New York, went over to the United Nations and met with Daniela Bass, who is the, uh, from Italy, who is the head of their section on implementation of the Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities, uh, which you and I both know as CRPD. So I hope to be doing some work uh, in that area also. Yeah, that's so frustrating. Well, I tell you, and and, gosh, you should see what's coming up. i got to tell you, um, uh, coming up to uh, uh, July 26th, which is the 25th anniversary, on August the 20th, next week, we have a White House event. On the 21st, there's an event at the Department of Labor with Secretary Perez. On the 23rd, the Department of Justice and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and Liz Savage, who you know Liz, is mm-hmm. organizing this. On the 24th, the Smithsonian is sponsoring a big uh, um, uh, event uh, surrounding the uh, ADA on both the 24th and the 26th. And Joyce, I hope you're coming to Washington on the 27th because that's our of big Of course bash. I'm coming. Of huh? course. Uh, yes, I am. And I also am going to be there the 20th at the White House. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'll see you next Monday then. I'll be at the White House. We'll see you there. Yes, but that event on the 27th, that, that is going to be phenomenal. And, folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, Nickel and some other groups, AAPD, different groups got together, and we're going to have a big celebration for the 25th anniversary. And I assume, of course, you will be there, Senator Harkin. Oh, I'll be there with bells and whistles. Oh, absolutely. I, I wouldn't miss it for anything. Of course I'll be there. Well, and you know what? Soon as I see you, I'm going to be telling you how we're going to get you here in October to the Heinz History Center for our huge event for youth with disabilities. So when, don't when think you're going to get away from me. But for right now, 
This whole month, Senator Harkin, we have been celebrating the 25th anniversary of the signing of the ADA. And truly, what a great honor it is to have you as our guest. I wanted to know if you could take us back to that day so that you could give our listeners an idea of the excitement of the disability community that day. Oh, wow. I get, I get uh, goosebumps just thinking about it. Uh, first of all, you have to think about this. It was a beautiful day. Sun was shining. It wasn't too hot. Uh, it was just a gorgeous day. And we all, and the signing, President Bush signed it on the lawn south of the White House uh, with the, uh, with the uh, uh, Washington Monument and the Jefferson Memorial in the background. And we were all there, and when I arrived, there already were several hundred people there. And everyone was so happy and joyous. I mean, every disability group was represented. Every, every different disability group was represented. And so many people that I had known over the years, people who had testified in front of my disability policy uh, committee on when we were developing the legislation, came from all over America, uh, and it, it, you just can't imagine how, how excited everyone was. This was this is huge, and so it, and, and I don't know as of today, but I, it was at that time, and I think I I think I'm still right on it. It was the largest gathering at the White House for the signing of a bill in U.S. history. It wow. was was that big. And, and it was, and I'll never forget President Bush's words when he said, uh, he said a few things about, well, I know there's been some concerns on this, but we've carefully worked it out. This is going to be good for America. And he ended it by saying, so as I sign this bill, let the shameful walls of discrimination come tumbling down. And the roar from the crowd was amazing. And those with, who were deaf were applauding with, with the deaf sign. It was just, like I said, it, 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 nothing like that will I ever witness in my lifetime. It was that exciting. Wow. And I'll bet just the, I'll bet people were crying. Oh. I mean, I bet they were overjoyed, people with disabilities. I bet they were overjoyed. Now you could not be thrown out of a movie theater. I saw, I just, you know, there's different snapshots in your mind uh, that I have. As I remember that day, just, again, different people that I saw there and everything. But I remember when, when he said that and he signed the bill and we were all cheering and clapping and everything, uh, there, there was a woman who was sort of dancing or just jumping around uh, with another person, uh, uh, whether they both had disabilities or not, I don't know. But this woman was laughing and dancing, and tears were coming down her cheeks. It was just that emotional. Wow. Uh, it's just, it's a, just a picture I still have in my head from that. Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, like I said, never, 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 ever anything like it uh, before. As, as, well, as you know, and it was coined, I don't know, they say I coined the phrase, but I'm not certain I did. 
but we called it the Emancipation Proclamation for People with Disabilities. I think that may have been Justin Dart who really coined that phrase. Mm-hmm. Well, what are some of your greatest memories that day? When you think about I guess one is when the president uh, signed the bill and made that statement. I guess one is that huge roar of the crowd where I never had anyone tell me that before, and I, I, now that you say that, that would make sense. But when you think of that day, what, like, what do you see in your mind? What are, the, what are the big things you see? Well, what I see is, well, of course, I, 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 looking at the president as he sat at that little table with Justin Dart by his side, by the way, and looking in back of the president. I was just standing out there and looking at the president and behind him, the Washington Monument, and behind that, the Jefferson Memorial. And they kind of go in line with the White House from that lawn there. And just thinking how far we have come as a country uh, in having a broad civil rights act for people with disabilities. Um, I just I thought about that when I looked past the president and saw those monuments there. Uh, I guess I also thought, well, you know, this is just the beginning. Not the end. This is just the beginning. we got a lot of work to do. And I, I just remember that. i thinking, boy, now, now we got to go to work. Now we got the law on our side. We've got uh, not, uh, not only the law, but we've got uh, things, that, uh, affirmative action programs, businesses that have to do reasonable accommodations, we got things in there for making transportation accessible, uh, so we got to get to work and and make it implement. You know, this is, we have to implement this bill now. And uh, I think I remember thinking, oh boy, it's a great day, but now we really got to dig in and and right. make it, and make it happen. Uh, so I remember thinking that. But I looked around and I saw so many of my friends from the disability community who worked so hard. I mean, Joyce, a lot of people think, well, this legislation sort of came up and got through. Even the disability community and others have worked, had worked for years on this, years. I can remember when I, when I first got involved back in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, uh, people in the disability community at that time were already saying, you know, we got forgotten. We, we were forgotten. And I said, what do you mean you were forgotten? He said, well, you passed the Civil Rights Act uh, of 1964 that banned discrimination on the basis of race and sex and color and religion, national origin, but not on the basis of disability. Well, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, you know, I grew up with a brother who was deaf, and I must admit that when I first came to Congress in the House, my focus was very narrow. It was only on deafness issues. That's what I knew about. And so I was working very hard to get closed captioning TV and that kind of thing. And then my nephew, my sister's boy, Kelly, uh, got injured and became paraplegic and then wanted to go on to college. And I remember him calling me and talking to me about how he couldn't get his wheelchair uh, anywhere. He couldn't go up the stairs. He couldn't take certain classes because they were upstairs and not downstairs. And there was no elevator. And I thought, well, this is awful. So my view then began to get broadened. It wasn't just 
deafness. Uh, how about mobility issues? And then sometime right shortly after that, I became acquainted with Danny Piper from Iowa, a young man with Down syndrome, and his parents, and, and how he was discriminated against because of his Down syndrome. Then my view got even broader. And that's when I first started realizing that we needed a broad civil rights bill that covered all people with disabilities. And it couldn't just be the narrow focus that I had started with. So well, you certainly years. expanded it. I can't, I can't take very many calls today because we have so many things that we want to ask you. Um, one of them is... What do you think now? What's going to happen the next 25 years? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, as you know, the, Amer- the ADA had four great goals. Full participation, equal opportunity, uh, independent living, and economic self-sufficiency. On the first two, well, we've done pretty well uh, in terms of participation, Sports stadiums are open, theaters, all kinds of things that are accessible. Travel, mobility is pretty good. Opportunity, well, maybe not so good there, but we're, we've, then we've made some progress. The final two, uh, we need to renew our efforts on. Uh, independent living, again, we've made some progress. We had the Olmstead decision, as you know, in 1999. Uh, and... We're still making some progress on that. We haven't gotten to the point where every person is out of an institution and, and living in their home and their community, but we're, we're getting there. We, we, but it's the last one, economic self-sufficiency. That's mm-hmm. where we, we haven't made much progress. Uh, at jobs, that's what I'm talking about, jobs. People with disability to have jobs. You know, I always see these uh, unemployment statistics, you know, 5%, 5.5% unemployed. Uh, and then uh, among African Americans, it's two or three times that much. Among Latinos, about the same. Uh, and we say, well, that's just awful. And it is. But think about this. Over 60% of adult Americans with disabilities who want to work and can work are not in the workforce. 60%. I know. It's so terrible. It's just awful. It's a blot on our national character. Now, we've got to make some, we've got to make better progress. Now, I, I will say that in the last few years, uh, some companies have been stepping forward and doing a much better job of hiring people with disabilities. And I don't mean in sub-minimum wage dead-end jobs. I mean in integrated competitive employment. I mention Walgreens all the time. They've just done a great job. They set a goal of having a minimum of 10% of all their employees in all their stores be people with disabilities. And so they're moving ahead. I, uh, I know that uh, Best Buy, I think, uh, Walmart, others are moving ahead aggressively. Uh, so it, it's moving. We just got to move it a little bit faster. So next 25 years, employment, independent living with support services. When I, when I gave my speech on the Senate floor, when this bill passed the Senate in May, I think yeah, it was in May of, uh, of 1990. No, no, I'm sorry. Passed the floor on September the 7th of 1989. I wow. said at the time, 
uh, when this bill passes. Now, the next big step is personal assistance, personal attendant services, personal ser- personal attendant ser- uh, services, so that individuals could live in their own home or community and not in an institution, and then they could go to work and have jobs. Well, as you know, Joyce, we're not quite there yet. But to me, that's the next 25 years. Independent living, people living, and having young people with disabilities. When they get out of school, they can go into competitive integrated employment. They can go to college. They can seek out a vocation, uh, wherever they want to go, and not be pipelined into dead-end subminimum wage jobs. To me, that's, that's what I want to work on in the future. Well, I'm with you on that because I, you know, Senator Harkin, I'm all about employment, and you are right on because, you know, you can never be free in this country, buy a house, buy a car, live the American dream until you are gainfully employed. So I am with you 100%, and I, I just know you'll help us move that forward. And I would be remiss if I didn't also say that Joyce Bender, I mentioned all these employers and stuff moved ahead, but way before they started doing it, Joyce Bender was out there helping people with disabilities get employment. And for that, I thank you so much. Well, I have a great person to look up to called Senator Harkin. So, oh, no, no, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I <laughs> want to say one other thing. That other thing you said about independent living, I mean, that too is terrible that there are young people even with disabilities in nursing homes. It's terrible. That's true. It is, again, it's just, as I say, a blot on our national character, especially after the Olmstead decision. Yeah. Uh, uh, by the Supreme Court, and that's been what 16 years ago now. So we're not we're not uh, we're not quite there yet, as you know. Um, but again, independent living also means you may need some personal attendant services. It's like I always say about my nephew Kelly. So he finished school. He's had jobs all his life. He gets up in the morning, goes to work, comes home, lives by himself uh, in a house. He got married. He raised some kids. I mean. And, you know, he's in his 50s now, uh, but how was he able to do it? He was not rich. He had no money. Well, it turned out he was, he was injured in the military. So the Veterans Administration has been wonderful in helping him and providing uh, like a, a nurse assistant comes in in the morning, gets him up, does his physical work, different things like that, gets him ready to go to work. Kelly gets in his van. Rolls his wheelchair in there, drives the van. He's got all the hand controls, goes to work, comes home, goes shopping, makes his own meals, this and that. And then he has someone come in at night, do his exercises with him, uh, his other personal services, and gets him ready for bed. If he didn't have that, he would never have been able to work and be a tax-paying citizen of this country. And as you said, Joyce, to live the American dream. So he had that. Now I got to tell you, Thank you that that I don't know why I, why we can't get this across to legislators in these states and even in the federal government. That's cheaper than putting someone in an institution. Yeah, I know. I don't understand that either, Senator Harkin. Uh, they don't get it. No, is it cheaper if you just look at it in pure economic terms? But think about a person's life 
and how they feel about themselves and their lifestyle. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know why they don't get a choice. It's just always, I, I just, I don't understand Well, you know, Senator Harkin, just as you said before, I know you care about all disabilities. And that is why, next caller on the line, Phil, are you on the line? Good afternoon, Senator. Uh, Senator, this is is Phil Gatone, who is the CEO of the National Epilepsy Foundation, which, as you know, I live with epilepsy. So this is a very, very uh, big deal. And Phil is the CEO and a national leader and, and thinks so highly of him. So, Phil, go ahead. Well, Senator Harkin, I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of the 3 million people living with epilepsy in the United States, not only for your service to our country as a senator, but also for your leadership. I've been listening to the show today, and all of the things that you've been saying have really hit home with me, both as, a, um, as an advocate and also as a father of, a, of an adult son uh, with epilepsy. Uh, I do have to say that your leadership in uh, really forging this Americans with Disabilities Act uh, well before anybody in my family was impacted by a disability and really um, thinking about those kinds of decisions that come to a family. Uh, I just have to say your leadership uh, for years and years has paved the way for uh, individuals like my son, Philip, and, and three million other people with epilepsy to, to live their dreams and of, of you know, independence, of the opportunity that exists to succeed uh, and fail in this country, but just to give the, give them the fair chance to do so. So I just want to say thank you for your, for your friendship to our community. And I think we share a common adoration for our, for our, uh, show host <laughs> and the work she's done and, and the work that, uh, gentleman Tony Coelho, uh, former Congressman Coelho and the work that he's done. And I just want to say thank you personally on behalf of uh, my family, and all those families that really deserve the opportunity uh, that we've been that we all take for granted. So I just want to say thank you. Well, Phil, that's very kind of you. When you were speaking, I was making a note. I wrote Tony Coelho, and I said, "I was <laughs> well, you know, it was a person with epilepsy who was in the initial stages and helped us to get the ADA through." And that, as you mentioned, was Congressman Tony Coelho. From California. Absolutely. I mean, he's one of my heroes and, and always will be. Uh, and, and I just, you know, so admire him and his example. Uh, but I know it takes a team. And you've been talking about the next 25 years and the work that's coming uh, that we all have to do together. And I, I just want to say you can count me in. You can count our community in on helping to provide those, those last two pillars that you spoke of. You know, we, we really want to work together with you and, and with everybody who cares about this vision and this mission of living life uh, uh, to its fullest and giving everybody that opportunity. And so on, on behalf of, of our community, I just want to say uh, congratulations on, on your lifetime of work. Uh, I know you have many more years to go to, to contribute and to, and to lead, but uh, thank you for what you have accomplished and I look forward to working together with you, with Joyce, with Tony, and others 
to make sure that we, we continue to execute uh, as a team, as a nationwide team of leaders to, to get this mission met. So thank you so much. Well, Phil, thank you for your very kind words. Thank you for your advocacy. Give my best to your son, Philip, uh, and uh, I hope he's on his way to living the American dream, too. I, 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 I just, yeah. whatever, whatever that takes, I, I hope he does. And, and you're right. Again, as we move ahead, uh, Bender Consulting Services. Now, again, a lot of employers, oh, they don't know what they need to do and how they can do this. Well, that's where Joyce comes in. She can pave the way and help employers understand what their rights and responsibilities are uh, and also for people with disabilities what their rights and responsibilities are when they get employment. So uh, I, I have a feeling that, uh, well, let me put it this way. Bender and I are going to be around, okay? We're not, we're not, we're not saying yeah. goodbye yet, are we, Joyce? That's right. We're going to be around. We're going to be around. We're going to keep him uh, with us, Phil, forever. So there you go. Oh, yeah. Thank you. All thanks. right. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for calling in. Thank you, Joyce. You're welcome. Good afternoon. And listen, everyone, I'm, start, I'm sorry I could only take a couple callers today or allow a couple of people to call in, but um, we wanted to make the most of our time here with uh, the senator. So I just had to let Phil, Phil talk to you there in behalf of, as he said, the 3 million Americans living with, with epilepsy. So, hey, Senator Harkin, one other thing. I don't know if everyone knows this, uh, but just to show you how great this man is, when he testified, he te- this you know for the passage of the ADA on the Senate floor, he did this in sign language, um, and I saw that by the way in the History Museum at the Smithsonian, and I wanted to ask you, Senator Harkin. What, not only was that like for you, but what was the reaction of people when they saw you do this? Well, that interesting, Joyce, well, uh, that you bring that up because uh, I decided, since I knew sign language and I grew up with my brother, Frank, who was deaf, uh, I just thought I would start my speech and give a lot of it in sign language. And so uh, Senator Bob Carey, he was a senator from Nebraska, was sitting in the chair at the time. And he loves to tell the story about how he was sitting in the chair and I got up and all of a sudden I started speaking sign language. And he didn't know what to do because he didn't know <laughs> what was going on. And then the court reporter who sits down there and takes down everything, he looked at, at the presiding officer. He didn't know what to do. And so I just kept speaking in sign language. Finally, I, I stopped and then went back and said it verbally, uh, but I thought later on, and someone mentioned this to me, Joyce, many, many, many years later, <clears throat> said to me uh, uh, that, that you may not have realized it at the time, but you were the able-bodied person at that time, and everyone who couldn't understand you were disabled. Uh. Think about mm-hmm. it. Mm, never thought about that. I didn't either until someone said that to me many, many, many years later. I thought, you're right. Think about how many people, people with cerebral palsy uh, or people who are deaf or whoever, and they're trying to communicate 
and you don't understand them, well, who's who here? Who's who and which is which, you see? And so it, it occurred to me at that time that everyone else was disabled because they didn't know what I was saying. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. So Yeah, and I'm sure you, you never thought of that. And I just know you had to shock people. I just know there were senators there. They must have been just stunned. Oh, they didn't know what was, <laughs> didn't know what was <laughs> happening. And, and, uh, and so, of course, it kind of, uh, well, at that time, there was no such thing as YouTube or anything like that. But since then, somebody has put it on YouTube, and it's gone all out there now and around. But I also did it because the, the um, well, what am I trying to say, the, 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 my mentor, uh, the person that really uh, I wanted to do something for because of his disability was my brother, Frank. Yeah. And I wanted to speak to him <laughs> in the language that he understood about what we were doing. Um, so that's sort of what I was doing at the time. Uh, uh, and I got to tell you, there's, there's one other little story I'll tell you, Joyce, and your listeners. <clears throat> when I got sworn into the Senate, early, well, January 3rd of 1985, I'd been in the House, came over, elected, I was in the Senate. So I had my family up in the gallery, and my, my brother Frank, who was deaf, was up there, to see me get sworn into the Senate. So I hired an interpreter, a sign language interpreter, to go up in the gallery and, uh, and be up there with Frank to interpret for him. Well, you, you sit in the gallery, but she had to stand there and interpret. Well, I left them there. I went back down on the floor to get sworn in. All of a sudden, one of my other brothers, a hearing brother, came down and asked the doorman to come get me, and I went out, and my brother said, the uh, doorman, doorkeeper up in the gallery, uh, had uh, kicked out the interpreter. <gasps> and I said, what? So I went running back up, and here I'm about ready to get sworn in, <laughs> and I run back up with him up to the gallery. I saw the doorkeeper. I said, what's going on? He said, I'm sorry, sir. He said, uh, you can't stand in the gallery. You have to sit. We don't allow people to stand. And I said, well, she, she can't sit. She has to stand in front of him so she can tell him what's going on. Well, he said, I'm sorry. I, I, can't, I can't let that happen. Wow. You know, I'm not even a senator yet. I'm not even sworn in yet. So I went back down. And the majority leader of the Senate at that time was a senator from Kansas by the name of Bob Dole. Oh. I didn't know Senator Dole. I mean, you know, knew him. I didn't know him very well. I went up to him, and I told him what was happening. He called over Howie Green, the guy that worked for him. He said, you go up there and tell that doorkeeper that I said, let that interpreter come in there and stand. So he went up there, and that's what happened. So that wow. began a long friendship with Bob Dole. So he came to my... That is quite a story. Yep. And it so happened. was that interpreter, were they going to be standing by you? Where were they going to be? They were going to be in the gallery, yeah. standing like sort of off to the side in front of with my brother, listening to what was being said on the floor and interpreting for him what that was being said on the floor. That is unbelievable that back then they didn't even, they didn't allow that. Wow, that is really something. 
it was just amazing, I tell you. And, uh, and well, you know, we didn't have, well, of course, it wouldn't help then anyway. We didn't have a television and a TV in the, in the, on the floor. We didn't have closed captioning or anything like that. So the only way I could have him understand it was to have an interpreter up there. And, but Bob Dole worked it out. He, that, that just shows you that there were so many people on both sides of the aisle, uh, uh, that really came to our assistance and help uh, in those days. Uh, your own Dick Thornburg, for crying out loud, Attorney General. What a wonderful, beautiful man. Uh, uh, was just so strong for the ADA as Attorney General in the first Bush administration. He and his wife, Jenny. Uh, wonderful people. Great supporter mm-hmm. of the ADA. Oh, they are. They are wonderful. You know what? i yes, got to tell you something. I'll tell your listeners, too. Uh, you know, I was not the first sponsor of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Not a lot of people know that. The actual first sponsor, and I was the co-sponsor of the first Americans with Disabilities Act, was Senator Lowell Weicker of Connecticut. The Republicans were in charge of the Senate. I was a Democrat. I came in, and Lowell Weicker, we were working on this bill, and so Lowell Weicker, let's see, I, I, uh, Lowell Weicker first introduced it, and I was his co-sponsor. But then Lowell Weicker got defeated for re-election. Oh. And after he, after he got defeated, that's when I picked it up. And then we reintroduced it in a different form. Uh, we had to work out a lot of details. I chaired the Disability Policy Subcommittee. I had all these hearings. So it is true that the bill that finally got through was my bill, and I was the author of it and the chief sponsor of it. But the first one was introduced by Lowell Weicker of Connecticut, and we should never forget that. Yeah. Thank God you, we won't, but thank God you picked it up, Senator Harkin. I, well, it's just, again, um, I love Lowell Weicker. He's been my friend ever since, and he still is to this day. And uh, But... He uh, he was he was the first one to ever introduce that and and you know history has a funny way of writing itself. He just people don't know that, but, but you know he shouldn't be forgotten. I'll tell you that. Well, that is uh, well, Senator Harkin. Not as the show being heard everywhere, but it is going to be downloaded for uh, this year. You know because of the 25th anniversary. So. Uh, that was very nice of you to acknowledge that and and to bring that up. So that's a that's a good thing. They, everyone has heard that. I did want to ask you this uh, question. You know, with Section 503 of the Rehab Act, federal contractors are now obligated to employ people with disabilities with affirmative action. Uh, and I'm going to tell you what: some companies are really starting to do this, but it's still slow moving and I just wondered if you have a message for companies across America listening to the show about employing people with disabilities or why they should well I'll separate my answer in two parts first for those federal contractors the requirements under 503 have been there for gosh Joyce helped me out 30 some years I guess right yeah well yeah since Richard Nixon can you believe it 
30, 30, well, 40, all, all 40 years, I guess, now that I think about it. Yep, that's uh, right. But they were never enforced. They were just always overlooked. Uh, but now we have a clear definition of 503, as you know, um, the Obama administration put it out. Help me here, Joyce. Is it 7%? Yes. I think it's 7%. 7% aspirational goal. That's correct. That's right. 7%. If you're a federal contractor, if you're getting taxpayers' money and you're a federal contractor, you have to have an affirmative action a plan to employ at least 7% of your workforce as people with disabilities. Now, that just came when, help me out again, Joyce, was that just what? Last, over a year ago. This about is, a year, uh, over a year ago. Yeah, the, over a year ago. And this, you know, actually, as of this January, federal contractors have to have their uh, record keeping and their affirmative action plan in place. Exactly. And now they have to start hiring people. And they got to start hiring people. So mm-hmm. that's one segment. And that's a big deal. I thank the Obama administration for doing that. That is a, that is a, that is a, that is a that's a big step forward for other employers. Uh, look at what some other businesses look what Walgreens has done. I always point to them because they've been so good. I remember I visited the Walgreens distribution center up in Hartford, Connecticut, here a couple of years ago. Uh, the then CEO was uh, Greg Wasson. He, he's no longer the CEO. But uh, he had a lot of other CEOs from other big companies there. And I went up, and he took us on a tour of this distribution center. But before he took us on the tour, he wanted to let us know that 40%, Joyce, 40% of the people that worked there were people with disabilities. And he said, wow. I want doing this out of the goodness of my heart. He said, this is my most productive distribution center in the United States. Forty percent of the people are people with disabilities. And we went through there, and as he said, you know, sometimes you'll recognize a person with a disability, sometimes you won't. He said we made minor modifications here and there, and he said, I'll tell you, we have found that the people with disabilities that work here are my most loyal workers. They're never late. They always show up on time. They never leave early. They never get sick. And they make less mistakes than anyone else in the performance of their job. So I tell businesses this because just a few affirmative steps to reach out and employ someone with a disability. Now, I've never, I've never, Joyce, I've never asked anyone, any business, to ever hire someone for a position for which they were not qualified. You know, and this is not patronizing. I, I, you got to be qualified to do the job. But do an affirmative action program to get people with disabilities to do the work for which they are qualified. That's all we're asking. Not asking any special favors whatsoever. And do that. Comply with the ADA. Make reasonable accommodations to accommodate a person with a disability on the job, and you will find that you will have, as Greg Wasson found in, in Walgreens, your most loyal, hardworking, most productive workers you've ever employed. Now, if you've got a minute, I'll tell you where I came up with this. My brother Frank, okay? My brother Frank was a baker. He didn't like baking. There was a man who used to come into his bake shop, kind of struck up some kind of a conversation with him, and 
He asked Frank how he liked his job, and Frank said he didn't like it. He didn't like baking. He said, what do you want to do? He said, Frank said, I'd like to work with my hands and machines and things. So this guy was Mr. Delavan. He owned a, a manufacturing plant in, in West Des Moines, Iowa. So, again, out of the goodness of his heart, he hired my brother Frank to come work for him. And they taught him how to run a very intricate machine that drilled holes that made jet engine nozzles for jet engines. Very high-tech job. Well, months went by. Mr. Delvin asked the foreman how Harkin was doing. The foreman said, oh, my God, this guy's great. He's always here on time, and, and he puts out more parts per hour than anyone else, and he makes fewer mistakes. Well, Mr. Delvin wanted, he said, well, this is interesting. Well, you know, we've got to find out what, you know, why is that? Well, this was a very noisy place. A lot of clanging, a lot of banging, a lot of drills running, people shouting and yelling. What they found out is that my brother Frank, it never bothered him a bit. He couldn't hear anything. So he paid attention exactly every second of every minute to the job he was doing. He never made mistakes. Put out all the parts. So Mr. Delavan figured this out. He went out and hired more deaf people. Is that right? Wow. Not out of the goodness of his heart, but he said, hey, this is helping my bottom line. They're my best workers. And that's what, I, that's what businesses will find when they do something like that. They'll find the best workers they've ever had. That is right. And just as you said about um, that you, you don't refer them unless they can do the job. And that is, that's what we want. People with disabilities want paychecks, not pity. No pity. You know, that's we want exactly to work. Right. People want to work. And, you know... Well, Senator Harkin, I know we're soon going to be ending the show here, but I would be remiss to not tell you again just how much the disability community misses you and loves you. I cannot begin to tell you, I'm not kidding you, how many times I'll be with people and they'll say, oh, we miss Senator Harkin. Oh, it's not the same without Senator Harkin. You know, you were the go-to man for the disability community. And uh, you are loved so much probably far more than you can envision by our community because of everything you did. Um, and look at you. You're still out there working to help people with disabilities. I mean, you are that definition of a true statesman, and I consider it an honor to not count you as my friend, but really just to know you. Well, Joyce, you're just... Overly kind, more than I more than I deserve, and, and and I and I thank you for that. That's that's very generous of you. But I think that people like you and others who have been out in the trenches for a long time, out on the front lines, um, really doing the nitty gritty work of making sure that 504 and 503 and the ADA and IDEA are are implemented. Uh, I just know there's so many people out there that day in and day out, they're working so hard to make our society more fair and more just and to give people with disabilities the right, the right and the opportunity to live the American dream. Uh, these are the people that I, that I admire so much that are out there every day. I, I just, 
I just hope, and I know, I don't only hope, but I know, I know, there are some young people out there I call the ADA generation. They've grown up under the ADA. They're not going to take a back seat. They're not going to be shunted aside. They're not going to be told to go sit in a corner or go live in a nursing home. They're, 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 they, want, they, they want jobs. They want to succeed. I, I, I run into them all over the country. So I know that there are young people out there who have disabilities who are going to be the next Tom Harkins, and they're going to be better. And they're going to carry this thing forward. Uh, I, just, I just know that, and I have that faith uh, that uh, the next 25 years are going to be even better because we're going to have these advocates out there. And, uh, and they're going to carry this banner forward. So that's, that's why I feel good about where we are. I know those people out there. I know those young people out there. I see them, and, uh, and they come from all different disability groups, all walks of life, male, female, Hispanic, African-American, everybody. And I'm telling you, the next 25 years is going to be even better, Joyce Bender. Yes, I know, and, I, and we will all look forward to seeing you. Uh, as we celebrate the 25th anniversary, and we won't let you get away. That is for sure. Thank you so much, Senator Harkin. Can't wait to see you Monday. We'll, we'll see you Monday at the White House, and, uh, and we'll celebrate and the, all yes, week. And, all and the on the 27th, events. the Big Bash. Don't, that, that's don't right, it's that a Big one. Bash. But you know, <laughs> Senator Harkin, I end every show with a quote, and today that quote has to be something I actually have repeated this frequently, and it's you who said the unemployment of people with disabilities is a blot on our national character, said Senator Tom Harkin. Love you, Senator Harkin, and can't wait to see you. Love you, Joyce. Uh, Let's celebrate the 25th anniversary, but commit ourselves to making it even better in the future. That's right. You lead on, Senator Harkin. Thanks, Joyce. You're wonderful. See you next Monday at the White House. All righty. Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader in Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. staff and management.